Gang, since they opened in 2012, I've been talking about the amazing rehearsal spaces and fabulous recording studio at Space Rehearsal and Recording here in Austin. Well, gang, Space has upped their game over the last couple of years and added a couple of new factions. One is a video production studio. Space ATX has taken the major leap forward in their evolution to serve Austin's music community with their new video production department. They're now offering professional video production for bands, live streaming, live sessions, podcasts, and just about anything you can imagine. They've also added a creator studio. Maybe you want to take your TikTok or YouTube videos to the next level, or it's time to stop using your cell phone pics for all of your PR photos. Their newest production room is waiting for you. You can also book their in-house video or photography services or bring a freelancer to get the job done yourself. That's space, rehearsal, and recording located just a few short miles south of downtown Austin. They now offer rehearsal studios, audio recording, video production, a creator studio, and more. Go to spaceatx.com to find out more. And take the talent train from Schmoesville to ProTown with space, rehearsal, recording, and video production. Let's get down. Hey, gang, I want to make a quick announcement. Since we started this podcast in 2011, only the last 20 episodes have been available on the streaming services. You had to go back to the Podbean app or to the website, howdidigethere.podbean.com, to access past the 20, last 20 episodes. Well, gang, big surprise. As of now, the last 100 episodes are available on all streaming sites. That includes the From the Vault episodes. All of the episodes, the last 100 episodes from this episode back are available now on all streaming services, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, Overcast, Stitcher. Go there. Whichever one you're subscribed to, whichever one you use the most, go subscribe to How Did I Get Here. Follow us, rate us, leave us a comment if you can, and, uh, and check out the episodes, man. Get out there and enjoy the last 100 episodes of How Did I Get Here on your favorite streaming services. Let's get down. Johnny, I'm your host. Welcome to the show. I hope you guys have all had a good weekend, whatever it is you did this weekend. I want to thank you guys for tuning in to episode 1301 of How Did I Get Here? Yeah, that's right. We crossed another milestone on Friday. 1,300 episodes, baby. We're out there. We're putting them out every Tuesday, every Friday. Get into it. Today is no different. I have a fantastic show for you guys today, but I'll tell you all about that in a second. As I said, I hope you guys had a very, very good weekend. Um, I had a good weekend. I did hit a wall on Sunday, had a long uh, day of rehearsing on Thursday, and then went out to dinner with my friend Joseph, who was in town from New York, and his girlfriend, me and Jenny, went out with them. Great time. Great dinner. Great place. Uh, Joanne's at the new, uh, at the, it's a new restaurant at the, uh, at the Austin Motel. You know what I'm talking about. Anyway, uh, then Friday I had a podcast and then a show that night at the Volstead, and then Saturday I had a podcast and then a show that night at, uh, at the uh, at Mercer Street in Dripping Springs with with Skyrocket, that was a long show, hot show, <laughs> very hot show. Dealing with this heat's knocking me down. I woke up on on Sunday morning at Jenny's and I was just like, man, I, I I'm not gonna get out of bed today. I took Rosie to the park and we played, and I came home, 
and we uh I just I just chilled out all day. That's what I did. Just relaxed. Um, gang, I want to tell you about a, a great show that's coming up this Sunday, August 13th. It's uh, for a great cause, a new nonprofit called Connor's Heart, which uh, uh, combats the fentanyl crisis. Um, so it's this Sunday, uh, August 13th at Emo's here in Austin, right on Riverside here up the street. Connor's Heart presents a night for change, combating the fentanyl crisis with Connor's Heart. Uh, starting at 7 p.m. with a very special acoustic performance by Eric Johnson uh, and Roscoe Beck, followed by Lance Keltner and, and Nuevo Retro. Uh, the great Vallejo will be playing. The great David Grissom will be playing. And um, the event proceeds after expenses will be donated to fentanyl and opioid intervention groups here in Austin. That's, as I said, this Sunday, uh, August 13th at Emo's, right, uh, 2015 East Riverside. Uh, doors at six, show at seven. Eric Johnson, Lance Keltner, David Grissom, Vallejo. Amazing show for an amazing cause. I'm actually having Lance Keltner on the show. I believe that he runs the nonprofit. He'll be on the show on uh, on Friday. We'll be having a conversation about the event and the nonprofit itself and what they're trying to do to to uh, to eradicate fentanyl abuse and use in our uh, in our community. All right, that's uh, this Sunday. August 13th. All right, gang, I have a great, great, great show for you guys today. Amazing show. Amazing show. Adam and Vince from the band Me and Adam are on the show today. Now, what kind of band is Me and Adam? If you know who they are, you probably think like, oh, they're a country pop band or they're this or they're that. They're uh, uh, sort of a new wave, you know, traditional country band. Like they're all these kind of like different things. Their music's fantastic. These songs are great. The stories they tell are amazing. And, and they tell, yeah, like they have these anthems for the disenfranchised, which are just unbelievable. We have a great talk about it. We have a great talk about it because in this day and age, the way that everything's set up politically, you know, I've told you guys that my dad and, and, and my ex-stepmom have not talked to me since May because of political stuff that just has, like they've attacked me about for no reason. Like there's such a divide and such an intensity going on. But, you know, these guys are able to look at everyone with humanity. And see the humanity in the person. So these aren't like political songs, but they tell stories about disenfranchised people that you would understand some of them may be almost like MAGA kind of folks. But these guys do this with such humanity and such grace. It's just really, and, and also catchy songs with great beats and great music, man. Uh, we have a great conversation about how they met in, uh, in New Orleans and how they were working with, with other people and producing other people and just started kind of doing their own thing. And from the get-go, from the very get-go, their first single, Foolish Lover, well over a million plays on Spotify alone. Probably a few million plays across all the platforms. These are great songs. And again, as I said, great stories, man. They just put out a brand new record called American Drip Part 2, which came out a few uh, a couple weeks ago. You can find them at meandadam.com. They'll be heading out on tour uh, from October 3rd. Uh, till the 19th doing the west coast utah colorado vegas idaho they're even playing a show on september 29th in new Braunfels. as i said go to me and look at their tour dates see what's going on these guys have really had an incredible ascension you know they have millions of plays on quite a few of their songs they've been able to play austin city limits fest south by southwest float fest shaking knees music festival in atlanta uh, they just played Antones, this amazing show with Kevin and some other people had a great night, but they also opened for the killers in New Year's Eve, uh, in Vegas. They've done a few shows with the killers. We have a great conversation about that. Um, 
But these guys have really had a great ascension. And I think most of it is that they, they make this incredible music. Now, as I was saying about the genres of music and what people might think they are, I think that they are an art rock band. Like there's a sort of intention of like trying to make this kind of music and making a, a style of music that everyone can understand and tell these stories. And it really makes a lot of sense. But there's, there's an idea behind it almost like the cars were. You know, the cars weren't just a rock band. They were like an art rock band that were doing a project of making pop music like Devo, like that kind of band. That's what I think of me and Adam with great songs, great hooks, great stories, a great conversation. I have a really great conversation with them. I will tell you that I've known Adam for a long time, man. I've known him since 2005, since he was like 14. We talk all about it. He used to hang out with my friend Kyle Crushin, who was, who was helping him uh, sort of get, get his shit together when he wasn't doing well in school or in sports. But anyway, these two guys are fantastic. They're amazing artists. Uh, they write great songs. They're great producers. And their brand new album, American Drip Part 2, is fucking great. Get out there and check it out. Go to meandadam.com. Uh, they also have American Drip Part 1. And they also did Deadbeat Mixtape, which is absolutely fantastic. So uh, the self-proclaimed Trash Wave Trailblazers. Me and Adam. This is me talking to me and Adam. Let's get down. I spent so many years in darkness My eyes are covered from your light My first good look at you was blinding Now you're the father guides my weary footsteps in the night You mean to know You'll always be the heartbeat of my soul Before we get into this, so how old were you when you were hanging with Kyle Crusham? I probably met you and Kyle when I was 14. Wow. Yeah. Shit, that was a long-ass time ago, man. That was 2005 or six. Oh, really? Yeah. Is that is the math right on that? 2013. Uh, 2000, yeah. yeah, yeah, five or six, you're right. Yeah, like 2006, okay. maybe, something but like that. I remember that. you being older and coming to, like, Sam's. Well, once I got, once I was like 15 or 16, yeah. you started taking me to the bars to watch y'all play. Yeah, yeah. But when, I, when you're 14, it's a little bit under, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. I don't think, Kyle's not necessarily my legal guardian. No how, do you, how, did you, how do you know Kyle? Kyle Crusham, who's a great engineer and producer guy. Yeah, I met Carl through Wally, who Wally Williams, okay. who was who owned Tequila Mockingbird at that time. Wally knew my dad through okay. some random project. Some, you know, Wally worked on some music stuff or something for some advertisement or something that somebody was working on. I guess I was like the weird kid who like wasn't doing good at sports and like kind of miserable at school. And so my dad was like, "Well, my friend Wally knows some musician people. Like, hey, Wally, what can we do with this? My son, he's like all messed up." Dude, that's the same thing. When I was like fourteen. Uh, I wasn't doing good in sports or in school. Yeah. And my mom, uh, her friend was married to this guy, Mark Holman, who owned the Congress house. He's like a producer guy and he's, he's been around for a long time, but he just totally took me under his wing like that. And then all of a sudden your life kind of straightens out. Oh, you're sure. Like, oh, fuck my people. You start to figure out like some sort of purpose or like some goals. You could start to have some dreams. Like you could see yourself living past like another, you know, week or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> you're yeah. Like, Cause like, it's like you go to middle school and you're just like, I'd be in like football practice, just getting like destroyed, oh, dude. I had to leave football. Even the coach was like, man, you're, I was there. There was like an A team and a B team and I was second string on the B team. Yeah. And he was just like, what are you doing, man? Like, I look at Adam and I just wonder why anybody allowed him to play football. <laughs> it doesn't look like a man that should be on the football field. Me neither. 
You know what it's like. Like I was skinny and slow. Yeah. And little. <laughs> like not very big overall, <laughs> probably. Oh, man. I'm I mean, the old, like, some of the punish kids, him. Dude, yeah, the kids in practice, it was just like a running joke. Just like, how, could they like make my helmet fly off, you know? <laughs> like, let's crush his skull. And his soul as yeah. well. What was your, Vince, what was your, what was, what was your sort of like that? What, what, what uh, was your story at that 13, age? 13, 14, yeah. I, I committed a couple felonies and I wound up um, in court-ordered ma- uh, anger management. And uh, I, you know, was suffering in a different way. I had, I had already decided my purpose was skateboarding, although I was terrible at it. And um, I quickly then adjusted to music, like around, th- pretty much around 13, 14 as well. I started playing when I was like 11, but okay. like I started taking it real seriously around then. It's some of like, cause there's some, there's some harsh like stories going on in some of these songs. Some That's heavy true. stories. Do, do those come from, do, are there, is there any autobiographical slant to this? Everything's real. Everything is? Yeah. Yeah. So is that the, the whole getting busted and the cops coming in, in that song? Oh no, not when I was 14. That, that song is <laughs> okay, actually good. written by, we sort of did a derivative version from one of Adam's friends from uh, high school. His name's Wynn, and he has this group called Young Crooks, and it was a song that he wrote while he was living with Adam in New Orleans. So that's actually one song that we did not write on the album. It's the first, oh, okay. it's the first time we put out a song that was, it's technically a cover. Um, yeah, went, went, I had this crazy friend and he was living on my couch in New Orleans. He was kind of in that state that I was in at 13, 14, but he was 19. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, dude, come on. He was at some, you know, private school in the East Coast or something and he hated it. And we were all partying in New Orleans. I was like, he just dropped out, got in my like 91 Accord over Christmas break and just came and lived on my couch for like a year. And he was a musician too. And he's always writing in my living room. And he didn't really do much with his songs, but I always thought they were so great. Yeah. And I approached him, you know, a decade later and I was like, dude, that one song is still stuck in my head. And I showed Vince, he's like, this is awesome. And we, we cut it. That's awesome. Yeah. We kind of like, so that's his, it. that's his tale, but he was in the, you know, similar yeah. veins there. I did, I did not get arrested for selling drugs when I was 14. I uh, got arrested for vandalism. Okay. And I uh, also did get arrested for possession of marijuana simultaneously. Like uh, I got arrested for weed. Then I got arrested for vandalism. Um, and they were actually kind of spread out. I got the weed charge when I was like, uh, 14 and I, and then this like vandalism, this really like sort of famous vandalism from my small town that I was a part of. Um, can you say the town? Yeah, it was, uh, it's called the vandalism occurred in new freedom, Pennsylvania. Okay. And, um, it was actually desecration of venerated objects. So that's a felony. And I was 12. So I was one year before they could charge you with a felony. And then they used it against one of my buddies when he committed a uh, grand theft auto to have him admit to the charges that they were trying to bring against me and a few other people. So when he finally admitted, we like pled out of the, of the whole thing, but it took like three years. It was sort of looming for a really long time. It's kind of a fucked up thing to have to live through at a, at a tender age. Yeah, it was it pretty much dominated like my life from like 12 to 14. And then somehow I managed to like go get arrested for drugs at the same time. Like like a week before they brought those charges, I got arrested for <clears throat> drugs too. So then they were like this kid is terrible. So well, that <laughs> I mean Vince was living the dream in Austin, you know, growing up here just like me until I guess what you're 12 or something. Yeah, I went to middle school and high school in Pennsylvania. Okay. So they yeah. drug him up there. I, I, who 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 would have fun of, you know what I mean? Yeah, I felt I like know. most of the stuff that I got in trouble for, probably not the vandalism, but 
Uh, most of the stuff I got in trouble for, I don't, it's pretty hard to get in tr- trouble for down here in Austin. Cause you know, there's just, it's just a bigger city. Kids are all kind of up to shit, you know? So I'd be pissed off too. <laughs> if I was a kid and someone took me from Austin up to the middle of nowhere, Pennsylvania. Yeah. 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 Being ripped out of your home. Yeah. Um, Okay, so very quickly, American Drip Part Two, great record. So this is American Drip Part One. What what is the deal with the title? Just to know. Oh, so we, I think we were just kind of when the title came up, it was like we were just kind of riffing on ideas, and we were like American Drip, like American style, you know, in the way yeah. that you say drip is your style, drip is really your jewelry, and um, it just started started from there. But you know, it's we we feel like what we're presenting is deeply american and sort of it is eclectic uh with 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 that said it's not like american the way that one person wants to be american you know oh this country music is yeah, american yeah, yeah, blah, yeah, blah. Yeah. you know we're sort of getting all the elements that we found influential in style and in music and bringing that to the table and we think it's very eclectic of 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 american culture so yeah. We'd like to th- call it American Drip. That's the okay. sh- that's the elevator pitch. I also I, I also just side note. I kind of appreciate that the British use the word drip to refer to like boring and yeah, yeah, bored. Yeah. And this yeah, guy's like a, this guy's a loser. Yeah, yeah. And so you know there are some like loser anthems across our yeah. music. So yeah, it kind yeah. of like you know we're, in no way are we like glorifying America. It's more about like just l- growing up here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's. Uh, it it is it isn't glory and it's it's not slamming it it's just kind of holding up a mirror and yes. going like thank you this is what this is what's happening here and the thing is uh, there was a thing where you sent me the uh, by the way uh, for doing this whole thing without a publicist like you were the most like on top of it like you sent me the the bio and everything and all that like you've been very communicative we wear many hats yeah you do a good job thank you I was gonna say not a lot of great like there's a lot of in music people they don't. Like they can't get it together. If only so I could get the music part together. Yeah, right. You really <laughs> do, hard. man. Like this, these songs are fucking really great, man. Thank you. And Thanks. just the ability to sort of like smashing these genres together. I made a couple of notes. There's a uh, heartbeat of my soul to me is like a Daft Punk kind of song almost. Hell yeah. You know what I mean? It's got that little disco like yeah. a dance step to it for sure. Yeah. Our buddy Doug brought that to it. It was interesting. We sort of had it like an acoustic pop rock song for probably almost like a, over a year. We had written it with the guy from the Revivalist, George, the bass player. Uh-huh. And we had the idea. He came. We kind of kicked it all the way home. And then we were like, damn, we should put this on our album. And we're like, something's not right about it. And so we went and worked with our friend Doug, who sort of does more like indie pop, you right. know, this right. sort of indie pop stuff. And it was he instantly gave it this sort of step that like it needed, this like very, this upbeat element that makes it much more hooky, much more. Yeah. danceable and relatable and stuff yeah. which was awesome because we didn't know what the hell to do <laughs> so yeah we were sort of stuck that, that's one thing i'll say is like by the second chorus i can sing along and that's 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 not easy to do that's a hard fucking we'll thing it. to do is <laughs> the to real like, skills if you get it by the end of the first chorus well yeah that's what i'm saying is by the time <laughs> the second chorus comes around i'm ready for it yeah there you go um you, uh, there's this thing in your bio that you guys uh as far as like your audience goes you're looking for like-minded embittered dreamers still yearning yearning for love transformation and harmony and uh you're trying to provide the soundtrack for that quest which i thought was fucking brilliant and there's this whole like there's like a high and low brow thing happening with what you guys are doing which is like such a it's like you're like a fucking art band to me like it's weird you're you make great it's like the cars like they weren't really 
that band trying to do that. They were these artist guys going like, look, we can make this very simple pop music and people will like it. You know what I mean? Like there's, there's a deeper intention going on behind it, which I think is, is fucking brilliant. Well, thank you. Yeah, man. I Am have, I right? I or? have no idea what you're talking about. No, thank you for saying No, thank you for saying that. No, we, we, I mean, yeah, we try to hit on a lot of levels, you know, we like to have a lot of fun, but life, life, life can be really fun and highs and it can also be real serious and yeah. there's some lows and we try to encapsulate all of that and what we're doing. Right. And there's a sort of like, even like there's no, uh, there's no thought, and I believe, and I'm, I'm not trying to make this any political thing, and I'm not saying anything is good or bad, but there is like, over the last uh, eight years, we've seen sort of uh, a disenfranchised part mm-hmm. of America that doesn't feel represented being really into a dude and kind of like surfacing from the underground, like people we didn't see before. Like crazy. Naga people. Right. Right. Of course. There are songs like this that are like the anthems of the disenfranchised American. And it's not in any way a political thing where there's any kind of like call. There's a call to action to like, Hey, just fucking be yourself, dude. Yeah. And, and, and that's who you are and stand up and be proud of that. Yeah. We've definitely encountered, those dis- disenfranchised folks relating to oh, our dude. music at different times. And, we usually uh, tell them to fuck off. Yeah, we kind <laughs> of have a weird thing with it because, you know, we're both pretty liberal and we're both, you know, very... We we consider ourselves like activists in, in, in the sense that we care for the th- LBGTQ community sure. and we care about, you know, minorities having their say and all this stuff that, like, feels very anti this... MAGA movement, but then all of a sudden some dude from some random town will be like, what's up? I love this song. In, in, my, in my experience, these, I mean, as, as wrong as I, as wrong as I think that their politics are, sure. I, you can find out there on the road, these people are missing, you know, everyone is sometimes missing something in their soul. That's and exactly like, right. There is something of good inside, I think everybody. Yes. And even there, if they're confused or they're misled or they were brought up in a circumstance which has led them down a terrible path. Yes. Maybe somewhere in there, there's a person that, you know, feels love and sadness and happiness and, and things like that. And, and I just wish that they were on a page of, of nonviolence and things like that. But, sure. but if you can find that nice part inside someone, even if it's for five seconds, you know, and you can put a little bit of joy in the world. Right. It makes one feel connected that doesn't, lead to hate you know right. leads to like a connection with another human in a positive way that's a good thing correct and I, I i gotta say that i i applaud you guys because it is difficult in this day and age to not have some sort of because these are like these people's stories and humanity is being represented as opposed to what we laugh at on the daily show right or you know what yes. so it's such a human view of other humans that I commend you for both of you guys for for being able to look at people for who they actually are yeah the, you know? I think the nuance of the nuance of our statement is deeply human it's metaphorical in the Very sense that so. it is human you know it's it's complex because it is human Correct. you know and it's like to take it in such a you know, everybody wants to have everything be their way. Yeah. And to a degree, that's fine. But, you know, you know, I think every, the the most human thing is to commiserate on some level and to 
find common ground. You know, everybody, like Adam said, everybody has something in common. If you just take a step, a second and a step back from sort of beating your own drum and, and the things you stand for, you can find it, you know? Yeah. And that's in the songs somewhere. I, I feel like there's, there's been a great wave of success for you guys and congratulations on all that stuff. And I, I went through, uh, YouTube, uh, night before last, I got very stoned and went on Hell the yeah. and Adam YouTube thing. First of all, you make great videos. <laughs> Thank you. And, uh, watching the live performances, there was a great version of fucking, uh, Dancing in the Dark. We love that song. Yeah. Which version did you watch? We just watched like every version, ironically. the Like not ironically. We're thinking about cutting it. Yeah, we're thinking about oh. recording it and putting it out. And we watched like every live version that's on the internet. Of, <laughs> so was, of us of and us, him and everybody. Yeah, yeah, we're just watching it forever the um, other day. With I'm, Kyle, no, no less. With Kyle Crushman at his studio. Oh, really? Yeah. I love that dude, man. I just think that that song is so universal and Shaky Knees Festival. That was okay, a good. Outside. That's a good okay, one. That's, that's a good a really one. good one. Yeah. Yeah. And you sing the keyboard line. Yeah, the na 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 na. Kind of awesome, Blink dude. Blink One Eighty Two style. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I just it, we love to you love finding one of those covers that people you do it really great. You guys do it really great too. Sometimes you know in Skyrocket and stuff where it's like you find a cover that people don't always think it's not the most obvious one, right? right. And it's like. You know, but everybody still knows it, and they yeah. and they're like, "Holy, holy hell!" Like, here we go, and then yeah. you bring the energy up a little bit. And get we always bring some girls on stage. You yeah, know, yeah, I find someone who's really into it. Yeah, I'm like, get up here. You know what I mean? And um, I try to do my Bruce Springsteen, Courtney Cox. You know, at the end, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't have the moves of Bruce, but you got man. Uh, yeah, those uh, you guys seem like a really fun live band. So I was out of town this last weekend. It's all right. Next time we'll be show. back in. Um, if, if you're listening in Austin, we play every year uh, in the holiday season. We do like a, a charity benefit Continental Club, at the right? Continental Club. Yeah. yeah. So we're going into our third year this year. So stay in touch with us and we'll let you know details on that. Yeah. Awesome. It's yeah. Big... And you guys can find these guys at meandadam.com. And it's spelled weird. Yeah. It's spelled weird. Just Google me and Adam. You will find us as yeah, the top yeah. hit. Yeah. We messed that up. Well, or maybe maybe we nailed it. You know, you never know. We were kids. I mean, the, the bands. Our first song came out in 2016. Yeah. You know, and we when we first started making music, we were kind of we weren't we were had been in, both been in bands for a long time, and we were kind of on, on the outs with them and not doing much. And we were living in New Orleans, and we were partying a little too much, and not really working on anything. And we were building our friend's studio, and we were like, well, someone's got to use this stuff, you know, to try it out or whatever. And we put together our first song we ever put out, which was foolish lover. And it kind of, our friends were like, this is pretty good, you know? And so we we're like, well, maybe we should put it out. Ha ha. We'll call it. We couldn't come up with a name. We'll call it me and Adam, yeah. you know? And then next thing you know, it's like, damn it, I guess we're, this is our name, but I, I'm embrace. We embrace it now. Yeah. yeah. This, the name thing goes away. Cause it really, if you think of almost any name, like even like the Beatles, that's just the, the way it's spelled. Like, ugh. if someone came up to you and you'd never heard that before. And they're like, this is my band. You'd be like, God, that is stupid. I, I think lame. that all yeah. the time yeah, when yeah. I think of people's name, like especially because people, Weezer. Like, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, the butthole servers. <laughs> well, that's <You> know. funny. <laughs> it's, it's funny, but yeah, it's like, well, they got to live with that shit, you know, to a degree. It, <laughs> like, yeah, it is like 40 something years later. Yeah. You're like, well, <laughs> we're still the butthole servers. <laughs> like, Led Zeppelin is a pun. The Beatles is a pun. Yeah. Like, yeah. At, least yeah. We're not, at least we don't have a pun band name. Yeah. yeah you know, so, that's what Thomas Jefferson so said. So how did you meet? Did you meet in New Orleans or here? Because both of you grew up here. Yeah, we, we met in college. So I was teaching a recording class and Adam was a very eager and 
informed recording student and he was trying to like basically insult the whole class as a non an uninformative pile of trash and then <laughs> i went to the teacher and i said listen this this guy's never going to shut the hell up so we should make him teach the class with us and so that oh. was what we did and we disempowered him by empowering him <laughs> and and it went really well actually and then our friendship sort of started there and we weren't fast friends or anything like that like there's this whole thing in our bio where we sort of like detested each other <laughs> but we we did wind up working on music together and and finding our friendship and it sort of just started with an equal enjoyment of recording honestly so <laughs> all yeah. these years later it's the same thing yeah we weren't we were we were producing records together for or even just engineering yeah like producing. not hanging out it would just wind up like him and i like we weren't like hanging out as friends outside of it but we were just like yo let's work on this music together. other people's music yeah yeah we weren't writing i mean neither of us were really even songwriters at all I mean, we fiddled around, but it was, you know, I don't know. I'd written like four songs ever or something when I'm 20. I certainly wasn't record. Yeah. I was like working on music with other guys and stuff like that. But yeah. So yeah, mostly from a production stance. That's where, that's where it started, you know, college acquaintances. And then years later I moved back to new Orleans. Like you said, when uh, my friend asked me to move back there, a uh, wild bill, what's up? And, and, and help him build his studio in his back, uh, back guest house. And so Adam was kind of crashing there too. We were both crashing there and, and yeah, and that's really where our friendship was rekindled. That's amazing. Yeah. It was awesome. It was yeah. like a really good, you know, and they say like, you don't realize you're having your moment when you're in the moment, whatever. I can't, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, the, yeah, the joys yeah. in the journey. It was like, you think about it now, we were like pretty miserable. The AC was like dripping on us. Everything was moldy and we, and neither of us owned anything. And, and now you look back on it. That was awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Have you guys, do you guys have a manager? You have a booking agent, right? Yes, we have a booking agent. We're on WME. Okay. Um, Wait, William Morris? Yes. Oh, shit, man. Congratulations. Yeah. Thanks. Steven's the man over there. Yeah. Uh, but no, we are self-managed and we're self-everything else too. We, we do, our distribution is through handwritten records. Right. Yep. So... But yes, we so are. What, when you say distribution for, uh, what does that mean now? All of our, nowadays? all of our music is digitally released through handwritten records. Okay. Yep. And, and so, yeah, they collect all of the things, and then yeah, it's a licensing deal. Okay. Just a standard. Okay. Yeah. Are they uh, able to to sort of like push forward for you guys a little bit out there in some ways? Yeah. Like, do they have some resources in there? Yeah, they they're able to get our music in front of different uh, editorial eyes and stuff like that. I mean. I think at this point in the industry, people are sort of, you know, the, uh, like the ability to succeed is very deeply entrenched in the artist because it's, you know, record labels aren't only signing successful artists and, and they have limited ability to like break something, you know, whereas before people would be like, I can't wait to get my record label, my big break. You, it's like, you got to break yourself and then yeah. they can sort of use their tools to get you a little bit further down the road. So yeah, we're somewhere in between there right now. With all these great numbers, do you get approached by labels or anything? Like, because you guys do have a lot of plays on um, some of these songs. There's, you know, people, there's random, there's so much spammy crap in yeah, music yeah, business yeah. that yeah. it's just, you just, it's hard to even tell what's, what is real. But the general answer is not that much, you know? Okay. Like, here, there's stuff that comes up, distributors and, you know, new music me and adam will always look at like somebody's like new music platform like how to you know do a live stream and all these funny things and we're like oh this is an interesting idea except for you can do that on twitch and then <laughs> i i feel like every time we attempt to 
journey outward, you know, we usually end up learning a lesson and we learn it again and again, which is like, you got, we've got each other and we're going to keep moving forward and working hard and the good things will find you. You know, if you're, if you're out there reaching for someone and asking for help, it usually ends up putting yourself in kind of a bad position. You, you have to let the people find you. Yeah. And so we just have our heads down and we're, and we're grinding as hard as we can. Yeah. And that is what finds, uh, partners, you know, totally trustworthy partners. Yeah. Yeah. Set the trap. Totally. <laughs> uh, how did you guys, I, there was a song, I can't remember the name of it right now, but it is, is a great song, but it's also not like one of the most very top popular songs that was heard by the killers and they, Oh, uh, something about social media. Yeah. The more I grow the up, more I grow up. That's yeah. I think that's my favorite song. It's a great song. It's my favorite song from the first album. I've got yeah. favorites now on the new one, but, uh, that's just a song we wrote about what we were doing. You know, it, it's a song about moving around the country and things changing and growing up. And it means a lot to us. It's not one of our biggest hits, but it is a, a live, uh, it's a live hit for us. The, our fans like it a lot. Our core fans like it a lot. And when we play it live, we're pretty good at it at this point. Yeah. And so we've been building it up on the live end of things because it means a lot to us. And yeah. I think we play it with a lot of emotion. You can tell that in this song. So they responded to that song. Yeah. Um, Brandon from the killers was like, he was like, this is good. And, uh, they posted it on all their social media. And, you know, in that day, like our social media, like doubled or whatever, you know? And, uh, that was really cool of them to do that. I think that's when I knew I was like, you know, you try to write like a pop song all the time yeah, or like try to write something that people will like. And then we were just like honest and wrote like a song that it doesn't really have a real chorus yeah. even, you know, it's not like a sing along chorus. It has three alternative choruses, yeah. which is like, you know, easy and hard to keep up with. Yeah. And so then I, when that happened, I was like, you know, it was, it felt validating for sure. And then you ended up doing some shows with them. Yeah. We opened for them in Austin at the Moody center and we opened for them at the Dickies arena in Fort worth. And then it culminated with us doing their new year's Eve party at the cosmopolitan in Las Vegas, uh, this last new year's Eve, which is really wild. How was that? I don't remember much of it, to yeah. be honest. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was fun. It was a lot of work and it was a lot of fun. Yeah. The whole band got to fly out to Vegas and, you know, we stayed at the Cosmo and yeah, it was just crazy. We rode it until the wheels fell off. Yeah. Did I, you guys... I think we went to bed at like 10 a.m. or something. Sure. You know? yeah. It's Vegas, too. <laughs> Frankie's uh, Tiki. <laughs> I had a... Uh, oh, I had a I had a vomit walking down the hallway. I like, nice. I, I had a vomit. I had... I, yeah. I, I, had, I, was, I had a vomit while walking down the hallway I, I like situation to have in a my vomit. hotel. Yeah. <laughs> I had a vomit. <laughs> I went down and had a Sounds vomit. Sounds very English, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. I, uh, I, I remember... I remember realizing at a blackjack table after a lot of free drinks mm -hmm. that I was not betting enough. Because when I was winning, you I winning wasn't enough. winning enough. I could have uh, won so much more if I would have put 40 on that hand. It's a gambler's fallacy. Terrible, just a terrible gambler, as, as good as I was at football. So <laughs> I'm doing that, and then I have this faint memory of inviting every dealer that was our dude to come with us to the strip club. Yeah. And then... Uh, this was the summer of, of 2000. And then I remember leaving the strip club and opening the door and it was daytime. Mm -hmm. And that blew my mind. That's a classic and moment. Then, and then the I had the vomit. In the that's, a deep, that's a deep, dark feeling yeah. when you see the sunlight. It feels very and everything dark. And is, everything is built to do that to you, you know? Yeah. Like there's no windows on any 
of these buildings. So no, no, they if, they know what they're doing. Yeah. So then you just walk out and you're just like, oh no, just keep feeding them booze, man. You're like, damn it. Yeah. <laughs> My day is ruined. I I really I really strive not to see the sunlight these days because it really does uh, it does something to the soul. Oh yeah. Well, I'm I'm 54 now. I don't even. I don't even like. You don't even see even, midnight. I don't even like midnight. <laughs> I don't. Last night I was out with my friend. I came in from New York. We went to dinner, had all these drinks. I was home by ten thirty, and I was like, "Oh Jesus!" Like the middle of the night. Yeah, you're like, I'm exhausted. I've been, I've been sort of leaning towards <laughs> trying to get home early these days too, trying to have a productive day. Well, sorry, go ahead. I just, I keep saying that I'm leaning into that, but it just keeps. It, it'll come. What well, sucks on tour, like when you're the singer and you finally are on tour, and then you're like, oh shit. Like, I can't have as much fun as everyone else because my shit won't work if I don't sleep and if I... That is a big reality. Fucking sucks, It's, it's a big reality being anybody in the band, but especially somebody that has to sing like him. And I have to sing. He has to care more than I do, but he doesn't. So. We got, you know, we're, we're in a van tour, you know, so it's like we do have to get up and drive six or seven hours. And I saw day. it in some of the videos you're doing the driving, too. Oh, oh come on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah um, it's just because I, uh, I don't trust our guitar player to drive. No, uh... <laughs> I, uh, I you know, trust. I like him to drive more. Yeah. Does, he, does he play on the record? I was going to ask. Do he that, does. Those yeah. Guys, he yeah. plays on a couple different, a okay. couple tracks. Yeah. Our, and our keyboard player Marcel plays on a couple tracks, and the drummer Bob plays on a couple tracks. Oh, so that's Marcel. Marcel. I've seen yeah. him play with. Uh, who else does he play with? He plays with everybody. He's great. Metrocade. I'm trying to think. Yeah. He's just he's there. just started joining Shiny Ribs touring band. Oh really? Yeah. Wow. No, he's great. Anyway, you know, you're on Sorry. tour, and uh, we usually try to come home at a reasonable hour after the show, and. There's some nights that we'll, you know, we'll tie one on, but some nights I got to kind of just go upstairs and like yeah. try to go to bed and I kind of have FOMO. I can hear everybody like partying downstairs. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he doesn't FOMO quietly. Don't worry. That summer of 2000, I remember those guys, like those guys going like, oh yeah, sure. We'll go to the after party. And then my tour manager being like, ready to go. I'm like, yeah, I'm sitting there watching CNN or fucking Nick at night or something. Uh, I mean, your voice just can't you take you, yeah. especially when you're playing seven shows in eight days or whatever It's it not is. the show, it's the party, too. And nobody really talks about how bad it fucking feels when your shit doesn't work. Oh, and you slept everyone and you're in fucking Minnesota and, and you're like... Uh, you can't do it, yeah. yeah. I mean, I have the whole routine down now. You know, I got the vocal misters and the... Yeah. You know, it's the party that kills it. It's not the show because it's like you just stay no, up all night party. screaming. Yeah, if you're drunk because yeah. you don't hear your voice, you're you in can't a loud hear place it anymore. Talking yeah, in that part of your voice that hurts it. Mm -hmm. That's what hurts. I mean, it's mine like, like sleeping and talking loud at a place is what destroys my voice. Yeah. I mean, I won't drone on about it, but I during COVID, right at the start of COVID, I got a vocal cord polyp Fuck. and had to have surgery like a month in. We kind of hit the jackpot with the yeah. timing though because you we know had finished our album. Yeah, and I didn't have to cancel any shows because there weren't any shows to cancel. But I spent, you know, I did the year and a half of recovery on that. That's how long it took? Oh, yeah. Shit. Well, it was, you know, it was six months pre-surgery trying to make it me not have to have surgery. Right. Then it's surgery. Then it's a year of recovery after surgery. Whoa. Well, I'm glad you made it through. I feel like... You sound great. Yeah. Do you feel stronger? In the spring this year of 23, it was the first time I felt fully back. Yeah. And that was three years. It's crazy. So singers, be nice to your voice. Yeah. Um, before we leave this subject, I did see this Bon Jovi thing when they got inducted in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I was like, why? So I went and started like trying to consume. I think it's the swagger. The bon Jovi. It's the swag. <laughs> yeah. Well, also the hundred and fucking forty million records they sold and all that. Right. Stuff. Like, right. Oh, yeah. It's I mean, the, that guy's still he, sell I mean, out he, stadiums. He's the, the king. In, he's a king in New Jersey, and, I mean, and he's got the hits. And yeah, he, and he, he connected does. with the kids. Well, there's this tour documentary of theirs where he like the whole time, and he's smoking. 
Like that's the weird thing. Like you finally you see it. Like he, when he's alone in his hotel room, he's just like pacing and smoking and like talking about how everything. Like there's a hundred. They were going to play like Wembley. There's like a hundred and twenty thousand people there, and he's freaking out, like having this meltdown because his voice is kind of jacked up. And he's he's like the whole thing, like everything. All those people coming, everybody working. It all depends on this little muscle that's smaller than my fucking thumbnail in here, and it hurts. <laughs> like, like that is a horrible feeling. It's like scary. you're letting everybody down. You're, you know what I mean? That makes it. It's like a parallel. It's like a sport. You know, <laughs> it's like a sport when they like whatever. Uh, Patrick exactly. Mahomes is getting exactly. hit with shots in his leg yeah. while he's about to lose the Super Bowl, and he pulls through and wins. Because he just sacrifices everything, you know, or whatever. I mean, that's how live music can often feel. It's very, like, it's not necessarily competitive, but, like, very challenging in this way of this performance way. You know, yeah. this 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 very, yeah. Like, yeah, you get prepared to go out there and, like, you know, re- fight a battle. Yeah. Yeah, there's some guys like Sammy Hagar, who's a weird reference, but he, he like, goes and trains with the boxer. So did Louis C.K. before he'd go on tour. He would, like... That's hilarious. Train with the boxing coach. <laughs> Louis C.K. was training with a boxing coach. It's too bad it didn't have any anything. influence on his overall <laughs> yeah. uh, physical it's appearance. Bringing up all these people. Yeah, no. <laughs> I know. But it, you know, those kind of. I, I think I could beat the shit out of Louis C.K. I don't Do know. He might just know, like man. maybe he just has this deep anger inside of his soul that erupts. You just pull a mirror out and yeah. make him look at it. Yeah. You know, another thing too is like those those guys like a lot of times comedians like talk a bunch of shit when they're standing on stage with a microphone but you see them in the hallway of the fucking thing and you're like hey what's that shit you said about my girlfriend they're like no 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 I was yeah yeah you got both kinds the other guy will be like I'll kick your ass right now you're like oh I better get out of here yeah no thanks yeah, it's, it's funny watching people get ready for shows too because everybody sort of does a different thing Adam does like sort of this extroversion thing I'm like super quiet like right. our drummer's kind of quiet because it's just like I just have to like get all my extroversion chips saved up before I go on stage yeah. kind of and whereas he likes to like really go crazy before and it like helps him get yeah loosened up whereas sure. like i'll just be saving my energy to go because like i don't always want to run around and shout at people and stuff <laughs> yeah mine I, I do that but it depends on my sometimes i don't like i i don't want to lose any of it but sometimes i'm like i need to get to that place that is like hey you know Show business. Exactly, exactly. You guys have a fucking great handle on that, too. It's really, like, it's amazing, like, how uh, how together you guys are as an act and everything. Next, you know what I mean? Next like time that, I'm feeling down, I'm just going to come on Johnny's podcast. Just gas me we up. Do a yeah. weekly No, it's therapy. true, and I don't normally <laughs> blow this much smoke up anyone's ass, but, like, to, like, see all the success. But also, I've been immersed in your shit for a couple of days, so I'm just kind of like, wow, these guys are crazy awesome oh thank you man when i first when i first uh started listening to it i was i was like what the fuck kind of music even is this <laughs> like what are they doing i think a lot of people but think that what it seems like to me is somebody that grew up in the time that you grew up and you're you're just putting out everything that you've heard through this filter of yourself and if it was something on country radio or something on fucking uh pop radio it's all the same. Yeah, I think I think music's getting to that place. Obviously, yeah. obviously, it's like an ever evolving. I said it before, like sort of eclecticism. But like, yeah, it's, it feels supernatural. So it's not like we set out one day. We're like, oh, we better make this kind of track right. or whatever. It's almost more like, well, 
either be kicking a song around or like already sort of have a track like that. And then, and then the ideas will align a lot of times like, Oh, we could use this with this or like, or like, let's push this this way just a little bit because it'll be, you know, for whatever reason, more fun to play. Uh, It'll prevent it from feeling slow or like, or like, or let's slow this down. So it really, you know, the lyrics sit, you know, with more, that rarely happens. It is interesting that you say it like a combination because it will like, even if the drums are organic sounds, he'll use like a rhythm from like a trap beat song. Right. You know, and then we're like, okay, what are we doing for the third chorus? And we'll be like, well, Luke Combs just had this right, song right, right, where right, like right, they right. go into the third chorus and it builds, 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 and then it goes completely breaks down, just him and acoustic guitar. Right. And then we like slam it back in, you know, like after two bars. Right. And we'll be like, let's use the Luke Combs thing plus the trap beat thing plus, you know, whatever the. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah it's insane. We love the way that country artists like finish songs. You know, they do like instead of a bridge, a lot of times they'll do like a, a down hook or they do these really they do these really neat like dropouts and stuff like that. And then they'll always do like an alt hook for the last hook to keep it special. Yeah. And that's you don't see that in every genre. You know yeah. what I mean? A lot of times you just get some extra layers or something like that. Yeah. So it's cool to try and do an alt hook for the last hook or, you know, these tricks that they're using are cool. Yeah. I have a question about a song. There's OK. So sometimes uh one will pay tribute to a song with some sort of interpolation of something of that song. So the song, what are you waiting for? I knew it. I knew it. What are you going to say? I knew exactly you were going to ask me about that song. Really? Yeah. What song is it? You got uh, it. Boys of Summer. Hell yeah. Like the drum <laughs> groove kind of has that, <clears throat> you know what I mean? Thing. Mm-hmm. And then the, the guitar melody. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I just fucking killer, dude. I was just honestly, someone else said that, and I was like, dude, Don Henley has to call me up and be like, dude, give me some song. I'd be like, dude, you can take. I mean, just go for it. No, what you stole was Mike the Mike Campbell stuff. Yeah, Yeah. I just, I mean, I love (laughs) what you stole. I didn't mean it like that. No, I'm steal. I mean, stealing is how you borrowed. Yeah, Yeah. great. What a great artist steal or something. I don't know if I'm a great artist, but I just. That that song, Boys of Summer, has just been with me since I was a kid. I think the the Ataris covered it when we were like ten, uh-huh. and I'd never heard it. And I was like listening. To, I made my dad like buy me the Ataris CD, and yeah. he's like, "We're jamming it in the car." And he's like, "Dude, you don't know what the hell's going on." He's like, <laughs> yeah, "Check yeah, this yeah, out," yeah. and like plays the Don Henley, you know, the original. Yeah. And I just have we've always loved that song, and and I was just like, I don't know. I was just trying to capture that like feeling of nostalgia, and yeah, and it's like happy and sad. And, yeah, 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 and also great lyrics. Like it's hard, you know, there's not always great lyrics in a pop song. Try. Yeah, we yeah, try. Yeah. Um, I remember when I, I heard that song when it first came out and I was like, that is the, I was already playing and stuff, but I was like, that is fucking, there's no, that's the best chorus anyone's ever written. <laughs> it is maybe. Yeah. Like the jump, like fucking he's hitting this part of his voice that I'm sure is really difficult to him to hit now at like 70 something or whatever. But that's like, a, it's perfect. It's perfect. It, yeah. It really just, it's like whatever the hell, you know, the song, the song being called The Boys, it captures the feeling perfectly. You know, the lyrics relate to the music, like in this weird. He he loves that girl, you know, and she's just like, not no time for him in the summer. Yeah. It's like a movie. Like when you hear the song, you can see the pictures perfectly, like everything he's talking about. And you can see the the way it applies to your life and like all the things that make a song great. And it's just like, I think, yeah, there was a time when we were listening to that and, and then we were working on the new album. Yeah, it's an homage in a way. Yeah, yeah, an homage. That's a good word for it. And then there was this song. Hold on, the the uh, the heartbeat of my soul. That's uh, that's Ian playing guitar, right? Yes, that is yeah. Ian. Yeah, yeah. We had him over in the we had him over in the studio 
back in the Nane days because yeah. we we saw oh he's funky and like yeah, fun yeah, yeah. and we we don't, don't get that funky you know usually and we wanted to kind of go in a little bit of a different direction. And so he came over. That's the one that we'd also do with George from the revivalists. So he threw his little kafunk thing on there yeah. and we just kept massaging it, and massaging it. And it got there. Yeah. Yeah. Great tune. Uh, it's cool. It's cool. That you just figured it was Ian because it totally sounds like an Ian part. It does. Yeah. 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 Um, there was one song that I really, Oh, running on fumes in my head. Fuck it. I'll sleep when I'm dead. There's a lot of that sentiment in the thing. Like, like I'm just going, bitches. Those are some pretty classic. That's some classic <laughs> me and Adam right there. Yeah. yeah, that's like a flag. Like we talk about this album being a little bit less like a flagrant rebellion, right? Um, but that song definitely has it in it. Like sort of this, which I think we like to think that this album has a bit more contentness on it. But that song does have a bit of angst and right. But it's more saying like you know you know fuck off like i'm doing what i'm doing you can do you can have your you can do whatever you want Just yeah leave me the fuck non, they're like these non-conformist a- anthems like i'm not gonna play your game the man you know i hope not the hope man not he too. keeps closing in every day yeah so he does are you guys are playing the rustic this is going to come out afterwards but you're playing the rustic in houston tomorrow yes tomorrow night so in, when this comes out we will have played the, the rustic this weekend yeah. this past weekend or whenever i put it i retweeted your thing because i saw I think, that or re xed your thing whatever the hell it is are we xing now yeah yeah mine still says twitter i don't it know does. if I, I haven't updated the app his phone's messed up mine did it by itself you have the x mine did too mine <laughs> yeah. has an x i was scared when it mine, showed up I, I have the birds still i'm, I'm hanging no, on to it my came bird up and i was like what is this i didn't download this it looks like a porno app or something <laughs> <laughs> it does um you know, there's this place over here called 1618 Asian Fusion. Oh, yeah. You would be shocked how much that dude eats there. I've never seen him there. I, e- Elon? Elon Musk, he loves that place. You know, place that says a lot to me because honestly, yeah, honestly, no. I hate to talk shit on a local restaurant, <laughs> yeah, yeah. but there was so much hype about 1618 and I went in there and I was like, dude, my local tie spot around the corner from my place on like William Cannon is like better. You know what I mean? It's it's sauce heavy. I've never been. It's just like, there's to too me. much new Austin shit yeah. and not enough focus on the food. Like <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah. trying to like go in there and eat some damn food that's good. I'm not trying to like be the coolest guy eating the Thai food. I just want to eat the best Thai right, food. Right, right. It's that's, an it's a cu- it's good. a cuisine that's you know older than all of us. You can yeah. do you can you know you can pay tribute, but yeah. you know it almost don't, don't seems mess like it up. in Austin these days. If like if there's not if you don't have to make a reservation like two weeks in advance or stand around for three hours drinking like an eighteen dollar glass of natural wine, then it's not apparently not cool enough to go to. You know right. it's like ridiculous, right. and it's like everybody is going to this place and it's like shitty. I'm sorry, no offense, sixteen eighteen. I just no, they don't. Yeah, I don't, I don't care. They don't I mean, whatever. <laughs> they have it on right I mean, now. They're about to turn this I episode say, off. I'll just say it, but don't, please don't everybody go, but Fresh Tie on South Lamar is like a hundred times amazing. better. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. That is bomb. Yeah. Um, what I was going to say is that uh, I've, uh, there was somebody else I told yesterday to go see you guys there. I can't remember who it is, but someone that kind of lives downtown. Cool. And, and likes music and stuff. Sick. But we- the Sorry, let me just finish this really because I, I do want to say you don't you're not making music for me or people like like I, I'm not like you're not looking like oh 54 year old like single dude with a dog <laughs> whatever kind of music but it really it 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 really gets like it comes across like there's enough pop in it and enough accessibility that that. There's no reason not to like it. Like it's just really good. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you, man. All right, we're yeah. coming every week. We're coming and the best on. Time, it's show. not. It also it's not dumb. 
Thanks. That's that's the best part. We got some could, dumb tracks for some dumb people. Like but we, to me, I, I think like there's a track for dumb. You know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah we didn't dumb. Yeah, we, we try about. not to just like dumb it down too yeah. bad. I th- I like to always say when people ask us about the band, there's a track for everybody. Just you just have to listen. Yeah, you know, there's like there's a there's a thing that will that will touch on your heartstrings. There's a lyric that'll connect with you, oh, totally. and there's a piece of music that'll connect with yeah. you too. It'll relate to types of music that you like. It'll it'll be familiar in some way, you know. Yeah. You just have to give it a chance. I will say though, it's tough in this day and age where the attention spans are short. You know, I I find that someone tells me to listen to a band, I'll listen for ten seconds and be like, <laughs> screw this whole band. You yeah. know, ten seconds of one song. Yeah. So I totally get. You know, if you were to check us out and only listen to a song or half a song, it might not be your thing. But I do think that if you were to spend a little bit more time with it, you might get there like you did maybe, yeah. you know? So I recommend my listening technique, which is you listen to the first 10 seconds and the middle 10 seconds of every song on the album, preview the bridge and then move on and just keep going. And, and, and it's, then you can say, I listened to the whole thing and it sucks. You sound like it's, it's someone, someone tells a story. They're like, you know, you know how Michael Caine decides if he's going to be in a movie and they're like, Michael says, well, I'll read the first page. And I'll read the last page. And if my character's on both, I'll take the role. Perfect. <laughs> That's a perfect approach. That's a good Michael Cage, too. Thank you. I was wondering if you were going to do it. Thank you. Well, thanks. Um, this tour that you guys are going on in October, that's kind of like West Coast and then kind of Midwesty. Oh, you're going back to Vegas. We've, we've never played Vegas, actually, but yeah. Not like our own show. Other right. Oh, sorry. We yeah, did yeah, the killer yeah. show. Yeah, what am I thinking? Yeah. <laughs> I, think it, I think it's going to be a little different. There might <laughs> yeah. be a little bit. The, the amount of people in the audience might be a slightly different, but you know, it'll be. It's that space. Did you become friends with them in any way? Like, do you? Yeah, we, we you, both worked for the killers you, for a long time. Oh, really? Yeah. So we, we, we know those guys and we know their crew and everything. Oh. Yeah. So it was it was like a bit of a bit of them giving giving us the olive branch and, and letting us, and, you know, giving us props for our hard work with our own music, so. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. That is awesome. So maybe if they're there, maybe they'll come. We hope so. Yeah. Yeah. The bassist just flew down to our release show in Antones. Really? Yeah. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, they're great guys. Yeah. Yeah, we're good friends with, you know, most of the guys, and it's been a really positive experience for us in our lives. Yeah, they're great. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. And they also like they're like the last like super band, maybe the Strokes too, but the Strokes were before them. But they, you know what I mean? Like they're the last band that is still playing huge places that came out back then. It's the most recent. Yeah, I mean like the Chili you know Peppers still do it and stuff. Right, or but like, they're from the eighties. Yeah, exactly. Like so there it's haven't like, been a lot of new bands. That yeah, are. the final generation where like rock bands became established and then c- continued onward. You know. Yeah. And 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 it's yeah. not like a reunion tour. I was gonna say Green Day, but Green Day's ten years older than them too. Oh yeah, yeah. so Blink it's like eighty two, yeah. but Blink's they're ten, 10 years, years older. older. Yeah. yeah, from a t- they were kind of like the like because like uh, like Foster the People. They had a moment, but they're not as huge as they once were. Maybe the uh, Cage the Elephant is kind of in yeah, that space. but they're on no. They, you can't put they're, them on the same page there. as the yeah, Killers or the there. Strokes. Yeah, the, yeah, the Killers are way more. popular. And the Killers are younger than the Strokes. Strokes was two thousand one. Yeah. I think yeah. Killers first album was two thousand four. So. Yeah, Arctic Monkeys kind of in Arctic there. Monkey, and the, but the, the yeah, the Arctic Monkeys might be up there. They're huge. They're huge, huge. But the Lumineers, I know oh. that they're still really big. Oh, I don't care about that. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that a, a hipster hoedown. Yeah. A hipster hoedown, people. Yeah. Um. So, uh, so you guys are doing this tour. You were going to say something because you opened your phone. Oh no, I just pulled the dates up so I could know what I was talking about. Yeah. 
you're hitting the LA LA for the first we're hitting all these cities for the first time oh really yeah um San Diego for the first time. All the following, everything is first time. San Diego, Las Vegas, Phoenix, L.A., Santa Ana, Santa Cruz, San Francisco, Sacramento, Bellingham, Washington, Portland, Oregon, Boise, Idaho, Salt Lake City, and Denver. Ooh. Yeah. Where are you playing in Salt Lake City? Oh, we're playing a place called Quarters. Oh, so nice. It's a fun barcade that has like a pretty sweet venue in the off. Like you enter and it's like a big, crazy, drunken arcade with a bar and yeah. then... To the right, there's like a music hall in, oh, nice. inside of it. It's really fun, actually. I, I've hung out there and seen some music when I was working. So I'm excited. I'm actually excited for that spot. Yeah. I'm excited about the whole West Coast in the fall. You know, it's so hot here. I'm just looking forward to like Jesus. some crisp air. You know, we'll be in Boise like in the middle of October. I'm so excited it's to wear a sweater. So nice. yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I just played in Pittsburgh and in uh, Grand Rapids this weekend. And uh, to Grand Rapids, we played outside on Sunday night mm. and like I was playing with fastball do you guys know those guys of course uh, and Miles came down and it was like 10 minutes before the show and he's like holy shit I need to go get a jacket and we were all like yes like the it was best awesome. moment ever yeah yeah Jesus man this hellscape sucks. that's cool that you play with fastball it their, is their cool. radio hit started, was big when yeah. I was a kid I remember yeah so what, what instrument are you playing with them I'm, I'm just kind of auxiliary guitar and keyboards that's fun like stuff they need help with like some backing vocals hell yeah yeah it's, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're also, I mean, those guys are still making records. Like, you know, every year and a half, they put out a new record, and they're fucking great. Are they, are they still based here in Austin? Uh-huh. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Um, anyway, so, uh, yeah, you'll have fun playing in the cool places. I saw the place that you're playing in L.A., um, a band that was just on here. I'm drawing a blank on their name, but they're playing the night before you guys. I did a thing with Zoom interview with them. I should check that out. Are they from here? No, they're from somewhere else. All right, Zoom. Yeah. All right. Yeah, the Moroccan Lounge. It yeah, seems to be a cool Lounge. place. Yeah, yeah, we're excited. I mean, LA for the LA is scary. We, like, we did New York for the first time on the last tour, and it's like when you go to places like those, you know, you're like, I can't believe we're. How did it go? I mean, New York was great. We sold it out. You know, it's awesome. crazy. Like 250 people. Where'd you play? We played at the Zone One at elsewhere. Oh, it's in Brooklyn. Okay. Yeah. Like a trendy club club area in bushwick base or uh, east williamsburg it's just cool to go to these places sometimes and all these people come out of the woodwork and you're like wow it's like we're really something's really happening yeah yeah are you is this tour on your own uh well we're, you... we're the headliners okay um and we'll have local support okay but yeah yeah do you have a tour manager a sound guy or anything like that you're, lo you're looking at them really? yeah we just kind of split the duties i'll do a lot of the production stuff and adam will do a lot of the advancing stuff like as far as just like sort of That's overarching awesome. yeah i mean it's not it's nice to have somebody else do it and there's times when we're like damn i wish somebody else was here but a lot of times i'm like damn i'm so happy nobody else is here yeah. <laughs> it's nice to keep it small you know because yeah. the tours long and we're in a van and you know we're in airbnbs and Mm -hmm. I saw that too. That's really smart. So there's, there's ways to, I mean, obviously, you know, if the margins weren't as thin, you know, if we're balling out and selling out 500 cap rooms, you know, obviously sound guy would be seasons, great, yeah. you know, but right now we can do it the way we do it and it feels good to get it done yourself. And I know that if something goes wrong, it's my fault. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. One of the best things is just knowing that like, yeah, if, if, if one thing, one, one stupid thing happens, it's like, he's like, Hey, what happened there? Or, hey, yeah. what happened there? There's no yeah. like chain of command where we're yeah, trying yeah. to talk to five guys that are like yeah. all blaming each other for some <laughs> stupid thing. Right, like why right. there's no waters on tape on the deck right. or whatever, you know, you're just like, right. Cause actually we were telling somebody about this and they were saying that they just did a show with the cure 
like on the production side, they work in production for the, with the with the Cure and and Robert uh, Smith. He he production advances his own show still because he's because he's fired every person he ever used, and he just decided that it was a really stupid thing to like expect anybody to know what he wanted so he just does it himself he's the tour manager too yeah yeah he, he is just, yes i guess he can like once you get to a certain age and people aren't going to go get lost or so you know what i mean like his whole, band, his whole band's know. been to every venue 35 times yeah, right so yeah. it's like yeah. they know what to do reeves gabrell's yeah. knows maybe it is tour management he probably does have a production manager i lied yeah no it was the production manager like what an asshole no, it was the guy he was emailing he was doing law, acl a couple of years ago and i'm friends with one of the bookers at, at c at c3 and he was just telling me that they did the whole show. You know, it's like he's calling Robert Smith on the phone to like advance the show. And then Robert Smith gets up there and my buddy's on side stage watching him and Robert turns to him and gives him a thumbs up. He's like, we did it. Yeah. <laughs> that is rad. See, that's, that's <laughs> cool. That, is that's that, human. Man? It's yeah. like a cool moment where yeah. like somebody still does this, this really hard thing. And he's part a, of music. And he's a great songwriter. We started doing, um, uh, just like heaven recently. At right, our shows. I saw that. Yeah, yeah. Which is fun. I saw a video of that. That was really good. So cool. Yeah. So what are you going to record? Uh, you're going to do a single of of uh, of uh, Dancing in the Dark. Dancing in the Dark. We were thinking about it. Yeah. We're like kicking it around with Kyle. Yeah, we're thinking awesome. about it. Yeah. yeah, we went over there and we were doing some research with Kyle and his uh, and you know chortling at his strange mind uh, and trying to dig deeper and figure out how we could make it something that's worth recording. Yeah, it's amazing that he did that. Like this Paul Simon record, <laughs> like oh, it's, it's so odd, like so. It's deep. It's he showed us Heavy. pieces of it, and it's it's intense. He said, "I mean, he's Kyle is the kind of guy who can just sit there and just get the work done." Though you know, I would have I would have quit. I'm sure because it's know, like it's been a long project. Yeah, yeah. It's very cool. It's very interesting. It has a music concrete and all that kind of cool avant garde element to it. That's that's yeah. fascinating. Made me feel stupid when I was. You know what I mean? Like, what am I? Like, I'm just trying to write a song that's. Yeah, not I can't do anything close to what that. But <laughs> yeah. it's, it's Paul Simon's mind. You know, he's like the great. Yeah. But I'm like, come on, dude. Let's go back to writing some like big ballads. Like, where's my? Uh, yeah. 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 His music has always perplexed me to a degree. Anyways, like to be honest, so. <laughs> you mean like it's because it's so? What's the What's the album that everyone loves? Graceland. Graceland. I've, I've yeah, never been able to get into it. Oh really? Yeah. Like I like it. I like moments on it. But I don't, I, I respect that I don't fully get it. Like, I'm like, I don't think I understand this. It's funny because in the, <laughs> in the time when it came out, there, were, uh, there was uh, an underbelly of things happening in Africa musically that was really affecting mm. uh, a lot, mostly British artists. But like it, all that stuff, like the sort of Brazilian thing, like, uh, like Peter Gabriel So has a lot of, even though those songs are more pop, there's a lot of African like rhythm shit happening on yeah. there. And there's like all these polyrhythms on, yeah. on Grace. Yeah. There's a lot of yeah. stuff going on that like is, is it's, making laps around other laps and yeah. stuff like that. I think at that time there was a, a group of guys that were kind of bored with, with what was happening and what they were exposed to. And when they heard that shit, it inspired them so much that they're like, just grab some of those guys. And Paul Simon's case, he just grabbed like the whole, like everyone in his band became African. <laughs> that's sick it's cool you gotta respect it yeah I mean it's pretty badass to be able to do whatever you want artistically well that's the thing once you're successful then you can follow you don't have to follow anybody's map you know but I feel like now without like a label structure and someone giving you a lot of money and expecting you to do something that's gonna sell immediately there are things where people like you like you guys are able to sort of like forge some kind of ground and hit some place that people aren't seeing that if a label if you were on a label 
and you had uh what was your the first song uh sorry i wrote it down foolish foolish lover like and then you started writing other stuff that was outside those lines they would try and reel you in or they'd take your money come on give us another electro well that did that did happen because we put foolish lover out in 2016 we're like kids living in new york city right right and we got emails from like everybody because the song it went really good like the first month and so we were like having interviews at like you know tops of Top's offices in downtown, you know, Manhattan. Rockefeller Center. Yeah, like top floor Rockefeller Center with like music execs and stuff. And they all wanted to meet us and figure out. And ultimately the meeting went in with, you know, what else do you guys have? What are some other songs you have? And we'd send them our playlist and then we'd never get called back. Yeah. They'd be like, I, I, our favorite line ever is, I will, I will reach back out as I learn to fall more in love with this. Yeah. Which I've used many times since. So yeah, we learned the hard way, you know, and, um, we also got, we got like, you know, a big gig at Baby's All Right or something. And we only had that one song. So we had to play a bunch of other crappy songs. And, and I just DJed and Adam sang. It was, we were, <laughs> we were so naive. We biffed the show and we didn't have any songs. And then we kind of had to go back to the drawing board. And that's when we started, you know, working on American Drip Part One. You know, like, what do we, what can we actually do? We can play some guitars. We could like, you know. Yeah, the songs start to change then. We were like, let's, let's do what we're good at. Yeah. At that point, I was like, yeah, we can make beats. Yeah, we can do pro- electronic production everybody was doing it very keeping it very electronic at that time like you weren't hearing a ton of guitars in the mainstream right music at that time you know fender was even like saying like we don't know how to sell guitars right now i remember it being like a new york times article like we can't sell guitars to kids and this was like around that time and then you just slowly see everybody sort of like wait this is like very i mean like it started to feel a little inhuman you know everything yeah, yeah, started yeah. to feel so generic oh, yeah and on the grid stupid and, everything, and like yeah. just like uh, 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 like yeah. pump another one out and it's just like that's not what music ever was that's not yeah. what makes music great and that's yeah. not what people relate to and then it just slowly you know naturally happened where for us too we were like well shit we're good at guitars we we love playing live music so yeah. we just came back home and started doing it that way and we had a bunch of songs we were working on prior to that that made american drip i wouldn't say we're good at guitar but there you are we're like better at <laughs> that than some other things we were attempting i think well if people are expecting like, I, i'm a terrible dj right. and i was on stage right, djing right, right. i was like this is i should not be doing this like well if the if the thing is like oh if you can play like eddie van halen then you're a good guitar player that, but that's not that's too good that's just I mean, annoying that's like saying if you, if you sing like Christina Aguilera that's the only way you can be a great singer no, but, thank you. and we all know that everybody yeah. sings like that is a background singer so exactly <laughs> yeah yeah that that's it that's it that's that's I mean somewhat truthful right I'm, I'm, I'm just being no a but what ends up happening is a lot of times what you embody as a singer is character and you're able to tell a story and and like uh like Frank Sinatra or Lou Reed, like there's a character, and that's what you that's what you connect with. You don't connect with with a great with just a person because they sing a bunch of notes. Yeah, I had a vocal. I, I had a vocal coach for a while, and it was just it'd be so like kind of heartbreaking the whole lesson, you know, that there were so many things that I was doing wrong. Yeah, I just ended up grabbing a couple things and just being like i don't i don't think this is for me because my voice i started like turning into some musical theater kind of thing i'm like i don't want to i don't like the way this sounds at all like yeah. so i just kind of figured out how to breathe a little bit better but i was like i'm gonna keep i'm thank you so much but i'm gonna i'm gonna go on my way you yeah. know like when a broadway person sings rock it's so right terrible. it's just you start to so lose goofy. if you get yeah. too technically good at something you start to lose like the whole point of doing it in the first place and the right. character 
I think I think the most interesting part of every artist, and I think everybody does believe this without even actively having a thought, is that like it's their voice is recognizable very quickly. You know, a great song is recognizable very quickly. Yeah, like a great artist's voice, even if it's kind of annoying. You know, people might only like one song by that artist, but that song might have done incredible because the voice is so recognizable. Yeah. It's like audiogenic. It's like. So that's more, I think that's more important than being technically good at right. all, especially these days with like, you know, auto tune, like all the right. crap you can do to like, you know, phone in and a, <laughs> a perform, yeah, yeah, get yeah, a performance yeah. up to snuff or yeah. whatever. You see it all the time. Like rappers you'll hear and they'll be like, this is, this is terrible. And then you kind of, they just keep playing it and you're like, this is, this is awesome. Yeah. Like, yeah. like Fetty Wap or something like that. Yeah. That's a ridiculous song. And everybody was like, this is the worst song I've ever heard. And then suddenly everybody's like, this is the greatest song I've ever heard, you yeah. know, and it just happened like suddenly. Yeah. Cause it's so iconic. Do you guys run tracks live? I mean, we do. It seems like you, sh- you should cause of yeah, the electronic yeah, element. You there's, don't there's, lose it. there's, um, supplemental tracks basically. Yeah, yeah. So depending on the song, there'll be like, you know, some, some transition effects and sub elements, but yes, the short answer is yes. All right. Go ahead. We used to run tracks a lot heavier live before we had, our, before we got our band g- good, you know, Marcel joined and Ian joined and Bobby on drums back in the day when we just had guys who would sub in for a gig or two, right. it would be, you know, more along the lines of like, can you just keep, keep up with the tracks, you know, right. cause we could have consistency that way. But now we've been with the same group of guys for almost two years and, um, we've been able to basically delete almost everything, which is, it's been a great feeling. And now we can, we really can flow now. Right. Yeah. But the vibe's th- way better. I've noticed that like, especially like with hip hop, artists here because i was i've been working with the austin music foundation the last few years in their artist development program and a lot of hip-hop guys here they want to do like a live band but then what ends up happening is you're like all the cool like weird shit about your record that was happening electronically is gone now and it sounds like you have a bar band that's slightly yeah, funky at the, backing same, you at the up. same time i do think it's fun to watch a performance like a sure, hip-hop sure. performance of with course. a live band you yeah know? man because if i want to hear a great hip-hop record i'll listen to the record you know i want to go when i go to a show i want to feel sure. like there's mu- music yeah. happening Ooh. you know i i have a i guess i have a pretty complex opinion about this but i do agree that a lot of the trend right now is to delete a, more than you should or like yeah like you're saying like the, the, the it's electronic music most of modern hip-hop especially is like sure. just like advanced electronic music and then it's like it's not sample it's not just samples or anything right and then you delete it all and then you have like a bar band playing this like what is now not the music and it's kind of unimpressive and then you got i feel you gotta span the gap a little bit or else you just wind up with this thing that's not what it was and people i think people really want to come to see the artists sing the song and then and then the polar opposite is they still play with a dj and have every lyric in right which drives me crazy yeah, but like, what if you're performing and the audience doesn't know your music right and then it's like it can be more compelling to have the band yeah i think you need the band and you need to span the gap with the tracks yeah in some way you need to have a multi-faceted sure. element thing going if you have on. a huge hit you can just go up there by yourself and just like yeah. post malone just performs alone on a stage until yeah. this tour and oh, now he's got a full band cool because he wants yeah. to do like acoustic rock kind of thing and 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 there's tons of artists that like you know they have a flash in the pan right and then all of a sudden they're on the festival circuit right and they're literally just playing with the with the tracks with the lyrics on and so they just screaming every other line but they have a hit like adam's saying so it's working for the time being and then they go realize that that flushes out eventually yeah even fastball like this last this these 
like this current run of their stuff that they're doing that that song the way that was the big hit it starts off with this lo-fi sound and 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 they've finally gone to like hey you don't have to play on this song we we use the tracks because it literally sounds exactly like the record and that's what people w- really want ultimately yeah and it's still artistic i think sure. i think it takes a lot of artistic integrity to figure out how to do it all when the right. possibilities are infinite it's like then it becomes what you choose where do you draw the lines where what, do, what are the confines you build for yourself right. and i think that that as you know somebody who's really passionate about it uh means a lot and yeah. and it and it comes across in people's performance and and it's and it's helpful because we have the technology to do it it seems weird not to yeah yeah man this has been great talking to you guys adam you really turned out to be a cool fucking guy like that's one of the things i gotta say like it's cool like i always thought you were you always had like this look on your face i was telling my girlfriend this this morning i was always like i didn't know if you liked me or not i didn't know if you liked me until the other day when i saw you at the rehearsal what I always thought you were laughing at me. No way. And I wouldn't blame you. Like, if there's this old dude, like, in this weird no way with all of his friends. When I met all you guys when I was, yeah. like, 14, I just thought you guys were really cool because you're, awesome. like, in a cool band and you guys are all awesome. talented and, like, being professional awesome. musicians. And that's all I ever wanted to do. So if I had, like, a grimace, I was just, like, trying just to learn. Angst, I was just yeah. trying to learn. Angst ev- coming. I was just trying to learn everything and try to figure it out. No, I always thought you guys, well, I always thought you were awesome, dude. That's what I got the other day. Yeah. But but I have to tell you, man, you, you've really, like, you guys, the, you're, you're, the team that you have, have have put together and the music that you're making and just the whole the whole thing. You know, some people have like, oh, he's got good songs, but you know, no one knows how to dress on stage. You know what I mean? Or like, oh, they, they look real cool, but they have shitty songs and right. the guy can't sing. You guys really have everything and you're it seems like you're really moving forward and listening to your to your music kind of like from beginning to now was really exciting and fucking and and good from the first song. You know what I mean? Thank you so thank much. Thank you, Johnny. Fucking great, man. Thank you. Yeah. This, this has been a really fun. This has been my favorite podcast we've done yet. So awesome. Thank, thank you, you so much. Hopefully, it'll be the, your favorite one. Forever. I'll be back next week for more All moral right. support. <laughs> Come on over for the for the uh, verbal hand job. Yes. And they're only verbal. So okay. I've got a weird I, hand thing now. Um, right, well, I'm, I'm not coming back then. So it's Amer- a verbal mouth job. American Drip Part Two and American Drip Part One are available wherever it is you stream. You guys have vinyl available too, right? Yes, sir. On yes. our website, meandadam.com. Meandadam.com. Get out there. Uh, Trash Wave Trailblazers. Adam. Uh, meandadam.com. Uh, the Deadbeat Mixtape. That was really good too, by the way. Oh, thank you. That was just us. Yeah, I th- well, it's funny. We were t- <laughs> that was, oh. <laughs> He's like, I don't know how that happened. How it happened was... I love all those songs. Me too. Yeah, me too. It's, and it's like, we couldn't figure out... We knew that American Drip Part 2 wasn't going to have those songs on it. We yeah. already knew that yeah. at that time last year. Um, and we felt like we loved those songs, and it reflected sort of this like space that we hadn't treated with the band. And we were like, I think we're allowed to do this. And, yeah. you know, there's no like quintessential hits or anything but it, it showcases sort of like our i don't know just this time when we were fig- we were sorting out our sound and yeah. we and we had all this we had all these songs that sort of we thought f- they fit together in this weird way and we we're like we could have a moment where this is our little mixtape like yeah. check this check this stuff out we're not going to put it on american drip part two it didn't make american drip part one for whatever reason but it was still important to us like and there's i, I mean some of those songs are very foundational i think to the way that Adam and I think about the band and stuff. So they're important to us. <laughs> All right. Well, if you're a fan, you should listen. Um, anything I'm missing before you go? Great talk. I honestly, great talking to you guys. Very great happy for you. you. Yeah. I was just going to, I was going to film for my social media. If you okay, hype, go if you're going to hype us up one more time. Oh, yeah, no, I will one more time. <laughs> the amazing me and Adam. Woo!
Vince and Adam, man. Get out there and check them out. Great live show, great music. Love forever. When put on the spot. Let's go. Let's go. Thank you so much, Johnny. This has been wonderful. Cheers. Thank you, man. Giddy up or giddy out. gang that was adam and vince from austin art rock band me and adam get out there and check out their latest album american drip part two available wherever you stream and download music also see if they're coming to a town near you when they're going on tour go to me and for all of your me and adam needs all right have a great week whatever it is you're doing thank you so much for listening to the show don't forget you can subscribe to this podcast wherever it is that you find podcast new shows every tuesday and every friday me talking to other musicians great musicians Fantastic musicians. <laughs> Subscribe, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, tune in, Overcast. Don't forget, if you're subscribed on Stitcher, get off of there. Subscribe somewhere else. A Stitcher is going away at the end of this month. There will be no more Stitcher. All right. Enjoy the rest of this tune from me and Adam. Get out there and check out their albums, including their latest American Drip Part 2. I want to thank Adam and Vince for doing the show. Really, really glad I got to talk to them. Amazing, amazing artists. Have a great week. Let's get down.